Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Thanks for joining us on this online means and even if you're someone that's not really part of our church on a regular basis and you're tuning in this morning, we're thankful that you're worshiping God with us. And we've been studying the book of Galatians over the last month and a half or so and it's been a a rich time just understanding the, the grace of God and how much we have in Jesus and the importance of grace. And so... Um, I just want to ask you, maybe, if you are someone that received a gift, I mean, it's this lavish, ridiculous, over-the-top gift, but it's not on your birthday or Christmas. You know, it's just this random time of the year and someone comes and he gives you this gift. What would be your response to that gift? What are your instincts when you have all that gift in your hands? Do you think, man, this gift is amazing. Thank you, thank you. I can't wait to enjoy this gift all by myself. I must have done something to deserve this gift. Or is your instinct perhaps, wow, this gift is so amazing. Thank you, thank you. I didn't deserve this gift. I mean, this gift is just so amazing. I just have to share it with others around me as well. But we know that when God opened our eyes to the truth of His Son and those who have put their faith in Him completely, the grace we receive from God is like that gift. It's a gift that is too big and too amazing just to be kept to ourselves. It has to be shared with others. Because Last week we spoke about the importance of knowing where to look for the grace of God. Being someone that is able to spot and identify on a daily basis, who then acknowledges God's undeserved kindness when they do see it, and they celebrate it. And they praise God for it. Whether it's in your own life, or in the lives of others. Which when we think about it, it creates this amazing unity among brothers and sisters in Christ as we work together to build a dwelling place for God. But God doesn't only want us to see His grace, He wants us to extend that grace to others as well. Because His grace is just so big and so wonderful, He wants us to share it with those around us. Because last week, again, you remember, the Jerusalem apostles saw the grace of God in the life and ministry of Paul. And we spoke about how they saw that he was someone that was objective. And he was someone that was causing the gospel to move forward. And intentionally engaging in these evangelistic and discipleship relationships. And all of that caused this great unity among him and the other apostles, and they shook hands, and they confirmed their partnership, and building God's church together. But that wouldn't have been the only thing they saw in Paul, because if we think about it, if we think about the the overall context again, of Paul and the way he's traveling, we know that he went to Jerusalem in Acts 11, because there was a great need, to help the poor, suffering saints in Jerusalem. Paul was tasked to collect money from other Gentile churches and bring it to Jerusalem in order to bring some kind of relief to those who are poor and suffering. You could say he was a man on a mission of mercy. He was extending grace and actually delivering grace in the form of money that he collected from these other believers. 
He was extending God's undeserved kindness by going out of His way to help those who were in need. And then this this all gives us another picture of what grace then looks like because grace can be seen when people let go of their own possessions in order to sacrificially give towards the needs of others. Now the reality is we live in a world where so many people are just so focused on their own needs, their own desires and their own challenges or maybe people who seek to find acceptance with God by what they do in caring for other people and how much they give and help other people. But the good news is, the gospel of grace frees us from being consumed by ourselves. It allows us to put put God's glory on display when people actually work hard for the resources they have and then they eagerly share what they have with others in need. And this all comes from a heart that really understands the grace of God. But we know that this can be a challenging thing because once God has opened your eyes and He's given you a new heart and new eyes to see, and you, then you're going to notice all these needs of others. And if we're honest, this can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. To see all the suffering and need that surround us. And as a result, we might rather want to close our eyes again close our eyes and pretend we didn't see someone else who is in need. Because maybe we don't know what to do. Or we don't know how we can actually help. Because our own situations are so difficult in themselves. There's just so much need everywhere around us. I mean, we see it with this this COVID pandemic. But what the Bible teaches again and again and again is that if you are a Christian then God wants you to remember the poor. Remember the poor. Remember the poor with a heart that understands the grace that you have received yourself, and then someone who is eager to extend that grace to those around you. I mean, let me just give you a few examples. Psalm 37 verse 21 says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. Or Proverbs 28:27, Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Psalm 41:1, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Or what about Proverbs 21:13? Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. See, the Bible is very clear that God has always wanted us to be mindful of those who are in need. And that is what our text in Galatians is saying to us as well. We are focusing on one verse today, Galatians 2 verse 10. And so let us just read quickly again to get the bigger picture, the the overall context again. And I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 2. And again, we'll just read from verse 1 up until verse 10. This is what God's Word says. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet, because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Verse 6, And from those who seem to be influential, what they are makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me and mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John 
who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And then our text for today, only, only one thing, only, they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. See, we live in a time where people either have so much focus on the gospel and theology that they actually forget the poor. Or maybe on the other side of the spectrum, people focus so much on the poor and wanting to change people's circumstances that they forget the gospel. Never telling people about sin and their need for a Savior. But our goal for today is to let the gospel of grace shape the way we seek to eagerly remember the poor and extend grace. Having received the the same grace we have received in Jesus to those around us. Having the right balance between theology and mercy. Because here's the reality that we see in Scripture. The Bible says, for example, in Deuteronomy 15 verse 11, for they will never cease to be poor in the land. Or in other section in the New Testament, in Matthew 26, verse 11, Jesus says, I mean, this is all, this whole scene where this lady is using these expensive oils to wash the feet of Jesus, and others are looking at that, and they're like, what are you doing? We could have sold that expensive oils to get, give, get that money and give it to the poor. But then what does Jesus say? Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. But you will not always have me. And the point I want you to see from these examples and these verses is that the Bible recognizes that this side of heaven, there there are always going to be people that are poor. Which means we are always going to have the opportunity to extend the grace of God to those in need. That's why in the Deuteronomy text that I just read you, it goes on to say in verse 11, Therefore I command you, God says, you shall open wide your hand to your brother and to the needy and to the poor in your land. But part of how we process that is to have the right attitude toward the poor and to have the right attitude as the poor. Okay, let me just say that again. We need to have the right attitude towards the poor and have the right attitude as the poor. And to do that, we are going to look at some biblical principles today to help us know how to prioritize remembering the poor and extending grace that we have received ourselves. But before we dive into these principles, let us just look at the overall context again. Think of the overall context of what's happening with Paul here as he's writing to the Galatians. We know that in verse 9, the Jerusalem apostles and Paul, they had just confirmed their partnership in the gospel. It's this massive moment, if you think about it, this massive moment where they kind of signed a contract together, you could say, to confirm they are all on the same page. That the gospel of grace is the only true message there is. But then Paul says to the Galatians here in verse 10, there was just one condition to this new partnership. The apostles only made one request of Paul. And that was not like they were asking Paul to start a seminary to, or a Bible training program with every church plant that he started. I mean, those things are great and people need the truth and, and that's wonderful. Absolutely. But rather, what did they ask? They asked that he would remember the poor. Remember the poor. So clearly this was a priority for God, even as the early church was being developed. This was a practical request, because what has happened is that when Paul was, was asked to bring money to, for relief in Jerusalem, and the church was struggling to care for all the needs of the people who were there, because people came to Jerusalem, they got converted by the gospel of grace, and they grew in numbers, and some of these people didn't go back to where they came from. They stayed. And so you have this growing need that was developing in Jerusalem. And we know that the early church did well uh, by sharing their resources with each other. We see that in Acts 4, where people would put together all they have and they would divide it among 
the, the people to meet the needs of the group, but the needs just kept on growing as the group was growing. And so the pillars in Jerusalem, Peter, James, and, and John, they were essentially asking Paul to do something that he was already busy doing. They saw how the grace of God has made him a kind of man that has his eyes open and his heart open to the needs of others. To keep on remembering the poor as he's going out to minister to the Gentiles. Now again, if we look at the Old Testament, you know, how, how the poor is described, it, it's, it's talking about people that lack the basics, you know, like the essentials, like food and clothing. These are people who had to fully depend on God for their daily provision. And so let me just state the obvious. Let me just state the obvious. Being poor is not someone that doesn't have everything they want. Let me say that again. Being poor is not someone that doesn't have everything they want. It's like someone who thinks he is poor because he doesn't drive a a BMW like his friends who constantly looks at what other people have and they don't. Because if that is true, then every one of us is is poor because there's always someone else that we can compare ourselves to that will show that we don't have what we need or want. But rather, the poor are described as people who are actively dependent on God for their basic needs. In fact, there are often pictures, pictures in the Bible as the righteous. The righteous, in contrast to the rich and powerful. You see that in Isaiah 29, verse 19. Isaiah 29, verse 19, which says, The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult or rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. You see, those who are truly humble will have this fresh joy in the Lord, even if they don't have much. But the context here in Galatians is so good. Because what we see here is how the Gentile churches were providing for the needs of the believers in Jerusalem. And if we think about everything we've studied so far, this whole issue about Jew and Gentile that is being addressed here and circumcision and all that sort of stuff, isn't it amazing that God shows His grace and extends His grace by uniting believers in such a way that their hearts were open and to any other believer who was in need, regardless of the person is a Jew or a Gentile. You see, the, the Jews, they would have viewed giving as one of the key ways of having a right attitude before God. And the Jerusalem apostles now are asking Paul and his Gentile mission to continue to make financial support to those who are poor. Make it a priority. And Living Hope Church, if we are going to be a Bible teaching church, a biblical church, we need to do the same. Not to earn God's favor, but as people who have experienced this amazing gift of God's grace, we should be a church that makes remembering and extending grace to the poor a priority. And so in order to do that, today we're going to look at three biblical principles. And today we're going to cover a lot of Scripture, a lot of Bible verses. You're going to do a little bit of work with me today. So I hope you have your Bibles open on your laps and you're ready to page around and or even follow along on the PowerPoint. But we're going to cover a lot of ground today. And so we're going to look at three biblical principles that will help us see how the gospel of grace, so that's our framework, how the gospel of grace shapes the way we prioritize remembering the poor and extend the grace of God to those around us. And so let's start with the first principle. The first principle. We prioritize remembering the poor and extend grace, number one, by identifying with the poor. Identifying with the poor. In other words, we find common ground when all of us realize what we didn't have before we received the grace of God. Because here's the thing, the grace of God reminds us all that when we we see someone in real need, it reminds us how poor and needy we were before we received this amazing gift from God. We were all lacking in our relationship with God because of our sin. And because we were lacking in our relationship with God, we were lacking in our relationship with one another. If we think about 
what the Bible says and we think about along the same lines and when we talk about adoption, we see the same picture, don't we? Because every time you hold a baby in your arms, a baby that has been abandoned, the poorest of the poor, and you see that child being adopted into a new family, it reminds us of how God the Father rescued us and adopted us into His family. Ephesians 1 verse 5. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. I love this, this next one as well. Psalm 68 verses 5 and 6. Psalm 68 verse 5 and 6. It says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. And then verse 6. God settles the the, the lonely, you could say, in a home. The lonely in a home. He is the one that provides. And when we think about the gospel in this way, it helps us to identify with those who are needy. And the grace of God that works in our hearts, it motivates us to want to extend that grace as well. I mean, we've been talking about how the gospel unites us, unites us as believers, And as we've been thinking of what Paul's been saying over the last few weeks, he's protecting grace and unity. He's an example of how he facilitated churches to work together, to provide for each other's needs. But we are not just united in the same family. We are also united in this important work of caring for the poor. This responsibility falls on every single Christian. Whether you are someone that is lacking yourself, or someone that has been blessed with more. Everyone in the church works together to remember the poor. And if we are going to do that together, even in our church, in a church where there's some who have more than others, we have to uh, let the gospel of grace shape the way we do this. And how we relate to each other. Because honestly, I know some people think, if I just had more more resources, then I will be able to serve God like those people do. And the problem is, this kind of thinking is a breeding ground for envy and discontentment on the one end, and making others feel guilty for what they do have on the other. But the gospel, the gospel reminds us that a lack of money is not our problem. Sin is the real problem. Sin is the real problem. And the solution is not just getting more money and getting more resources or getting rid of my money and my resources, but understanding the grace of God and looking to extend that grace to others. Whether you have a little or whether you have a lot. The gospel speaks to everyone, those who are physically rich and physically poor. And the gospel then also tells us that No one can come to Jesus until you recognize how spiritually poor and needy you are. We see that in Matthew 5 when Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. We see a practical example of the rich and poor relating to each other also in the book of James. And we've already said last week that You see the grace of God when people are objective or impartial, right? So look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2. We we know this section so well. But let me just read it again. Verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into our assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in the good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You see, if we are holding to the faith, the grace that we have in the Lord Jesus, then James says, you should relate to each other based on the gospel of grace and you should not treat the rich man differently from the poor man. And so, our first principle then is that understanding our own need for grace helps us to relate to others in grace. Where we can connect with each other and 
relate to each other and identify with one another and partner together with each other based on the gospel of grace. That's our first principle. You've got to remember what we didn't have. Now our second principle for today is that we prioritize and remember the poor and extend grace. Number two, by giving to others what I do have and not what I don't. By giving to others what I do have and not what I don't. You see where the first principle teaches us that everything we didn't have before grace, the next principle teaches us what we do have if you're a true believer because of grace. Again, if we just read the next verse in in James, consider the reality check that James gives to his audience. James 2 verse 5, he says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love Him? You see, if we look at salvation history and God's wise and sovereign plan, He decided to choose those who are poor in the world to become the recipients of His grace. And James actually says that they are rich. These poor people are rich. But rich in what? A house? The cars? No. Rich in faith. In faith. But not just in faith. But a faith that we know will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says something very similar in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring nothing, nothing, things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God wants to make it clear that His grace can only be received and extended because He is the one that does the giving and the extending. And part of His plan is to use the poor to put His grace on display. I like how one commentator says it. He says, God is on the side of the poor, not because they are poor, but because they are responsive to Him and are near to the kingdom. Responsive to Him and near to the kingdom. And so we remember the poor by sharing with them the riches of what we do have and not what we don't. Because the gospel teaches us how much we have in Christ. And so we need to stop and recognize at any given moment all that we have in Jesus. Let me just mention a few to you. Later in Galatians 4, chapter 4 verse 7, Paul says, We are no longer slaves, but sons and heirs of God. What about Ephesians 1, 3? We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We looked at this earlier this year, 1 Peter 1 verse 3. We have received grace and this living hope. We have a living hope. John 1 verse 12. We are not just seen as as a son of God, but we have all the rights as a son of God. Colossians 1 verse 12. If you're a believer, you're qualified to share in the inheritance with other believers. So God is not calling us to share with people what we don't have. But He does expect us to give away um, what we do have. You know, some people, they don't literally don't have money to give to someone else. So for example, let's say you get your rent money. That rent money has been promised to pay for something else. God has provided that money so that you can pay your rent. God doesn't expect you to take your rent money and just give it to the guy on the corner of the street because he's got a need. But what He does want is for you to give away what you do have. And what do we have is the riches of the gospel. Let me give an example. Consider the example of Peter in Acts. Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Where Peter and John were going to the temple. And this lame man saw them come closer. And so he was asking for money. And Peter and John see this man and they say to him, 
Look at us. Look at us. And at this point, this man, this, this layman is thinking he's going to get some money from, from Peter and John. But then what does Peter say next? But Peter said, Acts chapter 3 verse 6, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And what did Peter give him in that moment? Well, he shared with him the abundance he had in Jesus. And of course, this was a unique gift that God gave the apostles. Because the layman was told to stand up and walk. He was given so much more than just silver and gold, or even the ability to walk. He was given the opportunity to experience the grace of God in a supernatural way. And the point I want you to see is that even though we might be approached by someone who is in need, and maybe even asking for a few coins, the reality is, in that moment you might not have that money to share. But you still have a compassionate heart. A heart that can share with them the truth about Jesus. The gospel gives us the opportunity to share what we have and not what we don't. And so perhaps you don't have money, but you have time. You have certain skills or, or talents that can help someone else. All these time and skills and talents that you can remember the needy and extend your grace, God's grace, more than just giving people money. Because all of this is about the heart. The heart. And I hope you can see this. It's all about the heart. A heart that truly overflows because of the gospel of grace. A heart that gives that last coin in faith, like the widow in Mark 12. Because a grace-filled heart is a joyful heart. And it's compelled by the love of God to help those in need. And I think... 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, it captures this so well. Listen to this. By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet he closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and truth. You see, the love of God compels us to have open eyes and open hearts to those in need and to share with them the blessings we have received from God. And sometimes it will be stuff like money and, and food and help with rent, but sometimes it will just be the pure hope of the gospel. But one thing you can do is, the next time you ask someone asks you for money, Let's be like Peter and John. They give us a good example here because they say, look the person in the eyes. Look them in the eyes. Acknowledge their presence. Don't just ignore them and pretend they don't exist. And if the opportunity is there and the Lord has laid it on your heart to, to give something, extend grace, then do it. And perhaps the opportunity is there to share with them not just a few coins, but the truth about Jesus. The grace they really need. Share with them the abundant riches that we have in Christ. So firstly, what do we see? We see we need to remember the poor and extend grace by identifying with the poor, remembering what we all did not have before we received this grace. And then remember the poor and extend grace by sharing what you do have and not what you don't. Share from the abundant riches you have in Christ. And now thirdly, our third principle is we need to prioritize remembering the poor and extending grace by, this, is, this should be an obvious one, by following the example of Jesus. By following the example of Jesus. Now here in Galatians, Paul tells us he was eager to remember the poor. The very thing he was eager to do. This was not something new for him. His attitude wasn't like, Ah, you know, Peter and John, let me see what I can do. You know, there's so much need out there, but I guess we'll just try and make a plan. Barnabas and I will we'll try and figure something out. No, he said he was eager. He was eager. This is a strong word. This is a heart that flowed out of, this is a word that flows out of a, a heart that wanted to serve Jesus because of the grace he received 
himself. And can you imagine what it would have been like for Paul if you just slow down and think about it? Because Paul was someone that knew the Old Testament text so well. He would have known all these passages about caring for the poor so well. But he couldn't fully understand what that looked like, apart from the sense of obligation. Like, I'm just doing this because of out of obligation. Until he met Jesus. Where it went from obligation to eagerness. So it went from obligation to worship. And what we come to see is, uh, and what you would have come to see is that if you follow Jesus and His example, it's eventually going to lead you to the poor. That's where Jesus goes. There's no way around it. Because Jesus was someone who made it a significant priority to remember the poor. When He was walking on earth, Jesus, He made it a priority to engage with the poor. To minister to the poor. To put His power on display through the poor. But we see that the gospel of grace, it teaches us that Jesus remembered the poor by becoming poor Himself. This is huge. Jesus remembered the poor by becoming poor Himself. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. This is an example that our our Lord gave us all, that we need to recognize uh, where He was. I mean, think about the King of Kings and where He was in heaven, perfectly with His Father and the Spirit, and who left all of that and gave all that up so that He could become poor like us. I mean, we know, being born in a manger, not in a fancy five-star hospital. And that in return, He does all that so that we could be the ones who become spiritually rich in Him. So think about it. Jesus wasn't a rich man while He was here on earth. He wasn't even middle class, you could say. He didn't go to the fanciest schools. He didn't have a car. I mean, the donkey he had for a while wasn't even his own. He didn't have a palace that was due to a king. Or even a big house with a nice backyard. He never went on holidays. He he never went on cruises. In fact, when he gets into a boat, he's teaching, discipling, and feeding the multitudes. You see, Jesus didn't walk around thinking he was deserving of more. And if there was ever someone who was deserving of more, then it's our Savior, the Lord, the King, Jesus. But rather we see that Jesus sets us the example. And that He laid down His life. He became poor so that others might prosper. This doesn't mean that we should give all our possessions away and have nothing so that we have nothing left to give or never go on holiday. That, that's not wrong. But the thing is, Jesus was poor and He knew it. And He didn't want those who would follow Him to have the wrong expectations either. Because He says in Matthew 8 verse 20, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. See, Jesus was more concerned about reaching people with His grace than He was about where He would sleep. He had the right focus, and He says something similar to Timothy in 1 Timothy, 1 verse, uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich and fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So Jesus, he was focused on his mission. And his mission included reaching the poor. But we also see that Jesus remembers the poor by proclaiming the good news of the kingdom to them. Like when he went into the synagogues and he started his earthly ministry. And what did he say when he got there? 
Well, he opened the scroll of Isaiah. You see this in Luke 4, verse 18. And what did he read and proclaim? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke writes, quoting Isaiah, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind and set liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But not only we see Jesus remembering the poor by proclaiming the truth of the good news to them, Scripture also explains that part of this good news is the promises He gave them. That one day, this great reversal is going to take place. When the new kingdom comes in, it means that those who are oppressed now will be exalted later. Those who are doing the oppressing is going to be judged later. Those who are lost now will be first then. And those who are humble now will be exalted and glorified then. And we have that same truth and the same promises to hold on to right now. Same truth and promises that we can share with others. But before we can share it, we need to believe it ourselves. We need to believe it ourselves. And so let me ask you, do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? Do you believe that God has always had a plan to put His grace on display through the poor and weak in this world? Do we believe that one day He's going to reverse all of the the poverty we see all around us? Do we really believe that God has a priority towards the poor now? And do we believe that He has called us together, His church, to prioritize remembering the poor? Maybe your answer to all of this is, yes, yes I do. I believe it when Jesus says, it's better to give than to receive. But the question is, what can we do? Or how should we go about this? Well, we've looked at, Paul says we need to do this eagerly. We need to remember the poor eagerly. Prioritize the poor. And we saw three principles already. To help us remember the poor and extend grace. We we saw that we need to remember how poor we all are apart from grace. Identifying with others. We need to remember what riches we do have because of our grace and share what we can and not what we can't. And then also we saw that we need to follow the example of our Savior Jesus. But we know that caring for the poor and needy is something that can be very difficult and challenging. Very difficult and challenging. So let me try and give us five ways we can try and do this practically. Five ways we can seek to apply these principles as we go along and try to remember the poor. Firstly, and I think this is important, focus on gratitude and not on guilt. Focus on gratitude and not on guilt. Many people have been blessed by God, but they might be tempted to feel guilty because of what they have. When so many around them have so little. And then you throw in the different backgrounds and the cultural differences and how people think about money and caring for each other. And it can be all quite challenging. But in seeking to care for one another, God doesn't want us to give and extend grace out of guilt. Because giving out of guilt is not something that honors God. Rather, we need to focus on gratitude. Focus on gratitude instead. Focus on what you are thankful for and and. This gospel frees us up to, to have the right motives then. Praising God for what we do have and then giving to others with a heart that is overflowing out of thankfulness and not out of guilt. As one commentator says, when we take our eyes off the gifts and fix them on the giver, we realize that gifts are not the source of lasting joy. God is. God is. We praise God knowing that when he says in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so it's important that we recognize that what we have is from God. And we can enjoy what we have from God to the glory of God. But we also have to recognize that everything belongs to Him. And that we need to be good stewards of what He has given us whether it's a little or a little bit more. 
we should still remember the poor. Secondly, don't close your eyes, rather intentionally keep them open. Don't close your eyes, rather intentionally keep them open. Now, as we said, our tendency can be to close our eyes to all the needs that surround us. But then we are in danger of closing our hearts as well. Closing your eyes is going to result in you closing your heart as well. There are still things you can give to people if you don't have much. I mean, we're talking about respect. You can still show people respect. Making them feel welcome. Showing hospitality. Showing an interest in in others and being willing to hear their story and talk with them and engage with them. And the Bible then also makes it clear who we are to care for. If we're going to have our eyes open, the Bible makes it clear who we are to care for. Because in 1 Timothy 5.8, it says that we need to provide for our own families, our immediate households. And if we fail to do this, we are worse than the unbeliever. In other words, if you have the ability to help your family, given that they're not lazy or anything, you should do it. And not be like the pagans. But then also there's many passages in the Bible that talks about how we should care for those in the same household of faith. Talking about the church. Like what Paul says again later in Galatians chapter 6. And he gives two categories here because he says, everyone, so that's the big category, seek to help everyone and then those specifically in the church. He says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. And so if there's someone in the church who has a real need and there's someone else who has the means to be able to extend grace, then we should be able to look for opportunities to do so. But then the Bible also says that we should seek to help those believers outside of our churches, other believers in other churches, like in 2 Corinthians 8, where the Macedonian churches gathered up money to send it to Jerusalem. But just listen again how all this went down. This is so good. It says, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Okay, so they received the grace. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means. Helpful principle, isn't it? As I can testify, not beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. First to the Lord. And then the will of God to us, by the will of God to us. See, Was it only the rich churches that gave money to the poor churches in Jerusalem? No, it wasn't. The churches in Macedonia, we know they were poor themselves. And yet they still begged for the opportunity to give in order to help other believers. And this is so beautiful because so often people think because they have nothing, they can't support others. But it's the heart attitude that God is interested in. It's the heart attitude that shines on the grace of God from these believers in Macedonia. They had their own problems, yes. But they still had their eyes and hearts open to others. And of course, if you read more of the Bible, we see that even in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus teaches that if you see a person in need, you should love your neighbor and help them, regardless of your own culture or your your own background. Uh, The need is so immediate, like someone being in a car crash or something, your instinct should be to stop and help and be the hands of grace as much as we can. But then, one more thing we can mention is that when we have our eyes open, the Bible says there is a special group of people that God has in mind. Christians are most responsible to help those who have the least ability to help themselves. We are to... Help those who can't help themselves. I mean, again, many scriptures, but James 1.27 and so many other passages talk about how we need to be caring for the orphan and the widow. God has placed a special burden on the believer's heart to care for those who can't care for themselves. 
I mean, that's why we do all this, this work and have this wonderful opportunity to be part of an orphan ministry, even like at the different baby homes we have. Fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. And even as we think of the widows, God gives guidance on what that should look like in First Timothy as well. It's not just anyone that should enroll to the care of the church. God gives us specific guidelines for that. And so we can come alongside each other and help each other apply the Word of God and knowing how to care for those who need it most. So let us have our eyes open and let us see what God wants us to see through the Gospel of Grace. And then thirdly, recognize God's design in caring for the needy in the local church. Recognize God's design for caring for the needy in the local church. Because it can be hard to discern what needs are real. It's very difficult sometimes. And what needs are caused because of sin, because of foolishness, and because of consequences for bad decisions. And even as the needs grow in the early church, God wisely designed it so that there were specific men. Acts chapter 6, we all know, the deacons, who would lead the church in this area of showing mercy to those in need. So we have to make use of God's design if we are going to effectively help the needy. And the deacons are men who have been set apart by God. Godly men that have been raised up by God to help the church in this area, to to gather more information, to help people see what they maybe could have done differently, have another perspective, to know what needs are real and which needs can be addressed in another way. To know what needs are spiritual and what needs are physical. To free up the elders to focus on the ministry of the Word as they focus on the ministry of deeds. And so sometimes people want to help, but they can actually cause more damage by trying to help others when the deacons have more insights and more background information walking a road with someone. And it doesn't mean that every time you want to help someone, you always have to run it by the deacons. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you are struggling to figure out how to help someone else, and God has really laid this bit on your heart, God has given us this gift. Let's utilize these men to help us think through how to best care for God's people. Let us use God's design and trust our deacons to help you know how to care for other people best. And I'm super thankful for the deacons the Lord has given us here at Living Hope Church. Really thankful. The one thing that is helpful is if people are actually honest and open about their needs. Honest and open about their needs. And we we filter all this through the grace of God. So there's nothing that you, you have to hide that we can't deal with because we have the grace of God. And then fourthly, we can prioritize the poor and extend grace by working hard. By working hard. Do you realize that grace is at work in your life when you work hard so that you can be a blessing to other people? This is an obvious way we remember the poor. By working hard and being faithful in our jobs so that we can have the opportunities to bless others and meet their needs. I mean, this is a radically different way the world thinks about it. You should agree with me, because people work because they want to have more money for themselves. But God's people, they work hard so they can be a blessing to others. I mean, one text that comes to mind here is Ephesians 4.28. I think it's a familiar one. It says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And again, if we slow down and think about the gospel, we recognize that, in fact, we were all like these thieves. We were all thieves. And when God changed our hearts and He gave us this new motivation to work hard, it is not just for ourselves, it's so that we can share, have an opportunity to share it with those around us. And the thing is, the Bible also talks about the problem of laziness. The problem of laziness. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. So it's a command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Some people want the help and the grace from others, but they are not willing to work. 
They are not willing to do whatever they can to make a, a living and be a blessing to others. And so these people need help in a different way because this is a fundamental heart issue. A heart issue that needs to first understand how much they need God. You can't expect people to help you if you are not willing to help yourself. And you deny yourself the ability to help others, which we know by now is something that God was very passionate about. And so we need to help others see the grace of God and that working hard is something that we can done for, for the kingdom and not just ourselves. And then finally, number five. Number five. We're making it here to the end. Remember the poor by giving to God. Remember the poor by giving to God. Proverbs 19 verse 17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will repay him for his deeds. I mean, I think that's just such a beautiful, graceful motivation to give generously and eagerly to the poor. Because if we give to the poor, it's like we're giving to God. That is the fundamental heart motivation. Whether it's a monthly giving to the church, or to someone like Newton in his situation in Malawi right now, or someone in your GC that's struggling, or even that person down on the corner of the street where you live, we know that when we give, we give to God. And He rewards that giving. He blesses that kind of giving. And so, let us take all that we have learned and and started to hear about these principles today, and open our eyes and our hearts to the needs around us, trusting in God's goodness, trusting in His design for the church, and giving generously by remembering the poor, and extending the grace we have received, not to earn God's blessing and favor, but because we have God's blessing and favor. I want to close today by reading you another quote from Tim Keller. I just thought it was so good. He says about Jesus, talking about Jesus. At the end of his life, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, spent his last evening in a borrowed room, and when he died, he was laid in a borrowed tomb. They cast lots for his only possessions, his robe, for there on the cross he was stripped of everything. All this gives us new meaning to the question, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or naked or in prison? And the answer is, on the cross. On the cross. We died amidst the thieves, among the marginalized. No wonder Paul could say that once you see Jesus becoming poor for us, you will never look at the poor in the same way again. Let us take some time now and remember the poor even in the way we pray. Because the more you pray for the poor, the more you remember the poor. And so let us praise God for the grace He's given us in Jesus Christ and make us a kind of church that has our hearts and our eyes open to the needs of others and trusting God in the way we can seek to help and extend that grace to others. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much that You are such a loving, merciful God. That You so clearly in Your Word teach us that You have a burden for the poor. You lay down Your own life so that we can become rich. Lord, that changes our whole entire world view. It changes every person, every believer who has real, true, saving faith in the Lord Jesus to look at their circumstances and say, I, 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 just, I don't want just more, I don't want it. Look at what I have. Look at what I have. I know the King, and the King knows me. And Father, make us a church that wisely goes about reaching out to those around us with the gospel of grace, extending the good news of the kingdom. And Lord, when we encounter needs, and we know they are so overwhelming, and we know they are there are people out there who take chances and they, they seek to scheme and, and they corrupt in all those ways. But Lord, all the more reason for the good news of Jesus to go out. And Lord, thank you that we can trust you in those moments that even if we give something sacrificially, we honor you because we're giving to you first. 
So Father, honor yourself through this church as we become a people that understand what we didn't have and how much we now have because of your Son. And may the gospel of grace shape us as we seek to care for those around us. Help us to pray for them, Lord. Help us to pray for them on a regular basis so that even the, even the people who have nothing, we can pray so that you might be glorified. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.